All right. Praise the Lord. We thank God for his goodness. We thank him for his mercy. We thank him for all that he does for us, because we certainly know that all the things that God does for us, there isn't any of that that he's on the hook to do. So there isn't anything that God has to do. But the things that he does truly are expressions of his mercy and his love and his grace. And I don't know about you, but I am extremely thankful for that. All right, let's go ahead and um, get back into the word of God. We have been going pretty strong in the book of Psalms chapter 27. We are doing our study on that particular uh, chapter. Uh, we've been making pretty good progress in that, and it, it's been really rewarding. The scripture starts out, a Psalm of David, the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, come came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. The war should rise against me. In this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. Amen. And now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore, will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy upon also upon me and answer me. When thou saidest, seek my face, my heart said unto thee, thy face, Lord, will I seek. Hide not thy face far from me. Put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help. Leave me not. Neither forsake me, O God, of my salvation. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Add one more verse to it. Verse 11. Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. Amen. May the Lord have a blessing to the reading and the hearing uh, and the doing of his word. We thank the Lord um, for his mercy. We're continuing with this topic of God's mercy uh, when we cry, okay? We're really hammering into that and leaning into that, uh, that discussion on mercy. And it's, uh, and it's been a wonderful, wonderful journey. We are in the eighth lesson uh, in this series. So praise God. And we're certainly thankful for all those who have stuck around to get this um, teaching because it really is worth, uh, worth getting. And, um, um, we want you to, 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 to grab hold of it. I think I said it before. We read all of the scriptures every time we go into our next lesson. So even though we pick up at a specific scripture uh, in particular, we still read all of them at the outset. Why? Because 
what the intent is, is that as we've gone through and break down the scriptures, when we read it all together and you look at it, you should see it through different eyes. You should see it in a different light. That's at least that's what we're praying for, that the Holy Ghost will allow you to see that. You should see it in a way that you've never seen it before. And that's really what we um, want to, to get to. Amen. That's really, really um, what we're talking about. Now, let's go ahead and pick back up. Um, we said that what we were going to do at the end of last week was really get into this concept of, um, of, of, of the heart, okay, responding with the heart. And that's where we kind of left off um, last week. We, um, uh, we talked about uh, the scripture in particular. We looked at verse number eight that says uh, in Psalms 27, when thou saidest, seek my face, my heart said unto thee, thy face, Lord, will I seek. Now, my intent, Lord willing, will be for us to get into um, verse number uh, nine and hopefully even into verse number uh, 10. But let's wrap up that verse uh, number, uh, that verse number eight, because we are talking about that response. Okay. Um, we said that there were a few things that every believer needed to know. And hopefully you made note of this, but if not, you have the lessons that you can go back over. You can re-listen to them and review them uh, when you have the time. A few things that every believer, every true believer should know, okay, is that number one, God desires obedience, okay? We've really been talking about obedience. We're going to talk about it a little bit more today. God desires obedience above anything and everything else we do. You're just not going to get away from it. One of the best scriptures um, for that, um, that shows that. Um, is found in First uh, uh, Samuel chapter 15, verse 22, which simply says, and Samuel said, have the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than to f the fat of rams. Now, we said something on last week that was important, worth reiterating just for a bit, is is that God the sacrifices okay we know the sacrifices that we give to the Lord today are sacrifices of joy and of praise and of thanksgiving so those are the sacrifices that we do okay um, there are other sacrifices more in the natural so this is would be um, if we give of our time and we give of our resources uh, that that also would be considered um, a sacrifice but the ones that are most important are those sacrifices of praises and joy and thanksgiving okay um, many times people get get a little get get it get it twisted when it comes to sacrificing in the natural so in other words many people think they act as though they can kind of buy off god as if you can you know tip your way into heaven so many people will substitute the true work of the lord okay the true work of being a believer um walking in uh in the in the spirit of the lord and exhibiting the fruit of the spirit many people substitute that for what they can do in the natural being that of uh, donating to a charity or giving to a, um, to a cause or a drive or, or donating some time or what a lot of people think that those natural things, okay, I build up enough of those things that that's going to do it. And that's going to appease God, appease God. You know, look, those, those are things, those are good things, but those are not the things that God is concerned, is, is primarily concerned about. Okay. God does honor those things and God does bless and acknowledge those things, but those things can never be done. What you do in the natural 
can ne will never can can never substitute okay what god is asking of you to do in the spirit okay god says they that worship him how they have to worship him in spirit and in truth amen and we don't actually talk about that a little bit later hopefully in this uh in this uh in this lesson but the, what you do in the natural the, the, that's not a substitute offering in the natural those things are good and you're supposed to do that they have their it's they ha it have its place we pay tithes and we give offering and we do all of those different things. And those are wonderful things to do. And they are not things that you should stop doing. They are things that you absolutely should continue to do. But if when you're doing these things, paying your tithes, giving offering, um, offering your time and, your, and, and any other resources, if your heart is not right, keep it. Just, just save it because God's not going to acknowledge it. He's not going to, the blessing that will come as a result or that he gives as a result of obedience, you're not going to get. If your heart is wrong in the things that you are able to do in the natural, you will not reap the blessings of that. I want to make sure you understand that. Okay. It does not matter how much time you volunteer. It does not matter how many services you show up to. It does not matter how much money you put in the offering plate. It does not matter how many um, charities you offer to help you either volunteer your time or your resources or what. It does not matter how much money you give. It does. Oh, listen, all of those things are good, but they will not be enough to cover up a sin sick soul. It's not going to happen. That's not enough to tip God off or buy God off. You can't bribe God talking about you've done all these different things and you're going to make it. That's not going to happen. Okay. God's going to check. God's going to, God's going to check the, the content of that heart. Okay. So that's what you were seeing in first Samuel 15, 22. And he says, the Lord have great as great delight as great delight mean that he have some delight. When you do the right things that are can be done in the natural, God has delight in that. But the delight that he gets out of that is not comparable to the delight that he gets out of you being obedient to the word of God from your heart. That's two different things. And God prizes that above and beyond everything else. He, he prizes that. He, he, cher he cherishes that. It means something to him. And I, and I want to tell you that the things that mean something to God, if, 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 if you're not in the habit of seeing things God's way, you, you need to get in prayer much more and let God deal with your heart until your heart begins to reflect more and more his heart. Because you've got to see things God's way, which there is going to come a point and a part where you're going to have to abandon your own ideology. You're going to have to abandon your own ways. And, when I'm, and, and the ways that I'm talking about are those ways that are clearly totally against God. Okay? I'm not talking about abandoning good habits. So we don't, don't go there. We don't want you to go too far. We want you to stay in the, in the ballpark, as it were. The things that you do that are good, they are good. The problem many times is, is that the good is not good enough because it's missing a critical component. What component is that? It's missing God. It's not being done for his glory. How do you take the good that you're able to do in the natural to the next level? 
Have you wondered about that? Well, I'm going to make that plain. Very simple. We just said it. Going to reiterate it again. You do it for the Lord. God becomes the center and the focus of what you do. When you make God and the pleasing of God, the absolute center of the good that you are able to do in the natural. Now, provided that that can't be good, that's, that's in accordance to the world. Necessarily. It got to be good according to scripture, okay? God is true north when it comes to right and wrong, okay? But if you will make God the center and the heart of what you do that is good in the natural, then you will take what is good to the next level and it'll become great. Amen. That's how you take what you do to the next level. Do you want your good to be acknowledged? Do it for the Lord. Do it for his glory, not for your own ambition and desire and all of those different things. You got to get out of that. Repent of that mess. You don't need that. You don't need that. Why? Because as long as you keep operating in that, you are disqualifying or nullifying the good that you're doing. God says, yeah, that's good, but I don't care. You didn't do it for me. God want to be a part of what you're doing, family. Friends, God wants to be a part. You don't want it to be all about you. So it's time to turn the focus around. Amen. The second thing we said is, is that obedience to God enables the Lord's power uh, and authority in the believer's life. And for that, we looked at uh, 2 Corinthians um, chapter 10, verses 3 through 6. The uh, key verse there in that sequence or in that scripture set is verse number 6 that says, having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Now, if you take that verse and um, you look at that in context of the previous verses, which is the rest of them, starting at verse 3, I'm not going to read those. But if you were to do that, okay, then what verse 6 is actually telling you is that all of those things, okay, the power that we have to to cast down those imaginations and all of that and all of those different things okay when we start being obedient to the word of god and start using the word to do that when we start casting down those imaginations when we start walking in the spirit and not obeying the lust of the flesh when we begin doing all of those things right amen when we start doing those things or becoming obedient then what happens is, is, is that we become eligible or able, we get enabled, if you will, to begin to fulfill or make good on all the areas where we dropped the ball previously. That's what verse six is telling you about. And having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience. We says revenge all disobedience, okay? When you think of the word revenge, you think of getting back at something. You think of getting even at something. Well, what are you getting even with? What are you getting back at? Well, you're getting back at the fact that at, 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 at what you were unable to do. You're getting revenge, so to speak, on what you dropped the ball, what you failed to be able to do. So if you look at what you failed to do, what you were unable to do, what you were unable to accomplish because you were walking in sin, if you look at that as if it was an enemy, is if your failure because of sin was an enemy, then when you become obedient, start doing what God tells you to do, you become empowered to go back to the areas of fault and failure and become a victor. You gain the ability to triumph in that area. That's what verse six is telling you about, okay? So 
when you understand that, and I invite you to read that, spend some time with that scripture, with those scriptures, verses 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 6, and keep that in your in your prayer time. In fact, you know, I literally have that scripture tacked up on the wall to remind myself of it. Every time I'm in the study, every time I come through, I remind myself of that scripture. Because the heaviness of it is, is that why do I have it there so that I look at it every day? Because once upon a time, I didn't understand that that scripture was meant to be done daily. See, we want, sometimes we fall into the, uh, to the bad habit of doing the things of God when we get into dire straits or when we get into a really tough situation, right? And so we do it. And, and, and sometimes and we'll ha- what will happen is, is that we experience deliverance, okay? God is merciful and we experience deliverance. But then we get complacent. And we start leaning to our own understanding. Don't the scripture tell us to lean not to our own understanding, right? But in all our ways, acknowledge him and what will God do? He'll direct our path. Well, we tend to do the opposite of that. We tend to not, we tend to lean to our own understanding and we tend to not acknowledge God. So once upon a time, there was a time where I would do this, right? But I was not consistent with doing that. This is taking control of your mind, the thoughts that come in your mind. Many people don't realize, many children of God, um, because that's who this applies to. We don't realize that God has given, if you, are, if you are suffering today from a confused and a cloudy mind, if you feel the storm raging in your mind, sometimes the, the so loud, all the, the silent voices, sometimes ringing so loud in your ear, they might as well be audible, but you know it's really, it's in your mind. If you suffer and you deal with with the with with constantly bombard with the bombardment of the thoughts of the enemy, because remember, Satan is the prince of the air. He's the king that he is, so to speak, that that king or that leader of that unseen world, the world that exists, the spirit world that exists that you cannot perceive with the natural eye. And the enemy roams throughout, not just him, but he's unclean, but the unclean spirits, all of them that are in league with him. And so the thoughts of the enemy are all around. And if you find yourself dealing, being bombarded all of a sudden, rogue thoughts that's just so random, so out there, you know, that's not you. You know, that's not the way that you feel, but just stuff just coming up. If you find yourself dealing with all of these sorts of things besieged by a mind that won't be quiet and you're looking for that mental rest well the word of god second corinthians chapter 10 3 through 6 is for you because he's given you the power to take control in that area but here's the catch 22 not the word is not broken not at all but the catch 22 comes because we think we only need to do that once and it's supposed to be all good. Nah. That devil is all throughout the land. And you're going to be dealing with bad thoughts, bad ways, and all kinds of different things coming up throughout your stay on planet Earth. All the while you're in this flesh, you're going to be dealing with that. 
So all the while in this flesh, you're going to need to make use of this tool in order to combat and bring rogue thoughts into subjection of Jesus Christ. Because through the Holy Ghost, you have been given power to tear it down and to lock it down. But you got to, but it's sometimes it's a daily exercise. There are seasons and periods where the voice of the men, the enemy is, is, is more active than others. There's sometimes where you'll just, it's total bombardment. Then there are other times where it's not as much. Regardless, though, it's still from the enemy. And then some of it is your own, is your own ways because our nature is fallen. So we get this stuff coming from different angles. But the word of God don't care what angle it comes from. It's strong enough to lock down all of it, regardless of which area it comes from. One scripture tells us if a heart condemns us, God is greater. It don't listen, God is greater than you. The word of God is stronger than you. So no matter what you run into, the word of God is strong enough to deliver you. Amen. Amen. That's good stuff. I don't know how you feel about that, but I, but that relieves me, you know, because I, I sometimes you just you just need a little help. And I'm glad that the word of God is right there to help us. What it, the scripture tells us he's an ever present help in the time of need. Amen. Don't forget that. God's by your side. God's there with you. All right. Now, we said that what about us? And um, we talked about um, the grounds that we stand on when we petition God and, we, and how David was able to do that. And we discovered that um, at the end of the day, all of that was because of obedience. Amen. Okay. We talked a little bit about what did God ask you to do? Okay. We say, ask you, have you done what God asked you to do? Okay. Have you done that? We looked at Matthew 25 uh, verses 42 through 46. Amen. Because God's going to have a certain, is certainly going to have a view and, a, and an opinion regarding what you've done. So when we start thinking about, before we answer that question, have we done what God asked us to do? We need to follow that up with some uh, follow-up questions. Have you done it the way he told you to do? Or have you done a version of that? Let me stop and right here very briefly, just make this comment so that you understand something. Doing what God told you to do partially is not going to work. Some of us who are listening to this, who will listen to this, wherever we are in the world, no matter what time of the day we are, we, 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 um, we declare all day long that we are children of God. But you, child of God, have a problem. You are not fully obedient. You're not going after God fully with all your heart. You're doing versions of it. And as long as you keep doing versions of what God told you to do, instead of doing exactly what God told you to do, you're going to run into problems. You are only going to ever get a measure of success, but you will never have total success and you will never have total victory. You can't have that doing part of what God told you to do. You cannot have total victory doing portions of what God told you to do. You've got to humble yourself and be obedient to doing all that God has told you to do. You want total deliverance from something? You're never going to get total deliverance from anything if you don't do everything that God told you to do in that area. So if God told you to do this, X, Y, Z, guess what's going to happen? Nothing if you don't do what he told you. 
you're going to get exactly nothing. You're going to have the same problem, the same situation. You're going to be dealing with the same circumstance forever and a day until you exit this earth. That's going to be your reality. Why? Because you have not done what God told you to do. God doesn't play games. People are, are, are wish, wishy-washy. God is not. He don't change. From the very beginning, God declares his character and letting you know he doesn't change. So there won't be an exception to the rule. And, that, and, 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 if, and if there was an exception to the rule, it most certainly would not be you. And it most certainly would not be me. You got to do, I have to do what God tells me to do. Amen. So have you done it the way he told you to do it? Or did you do a version of that? Okay. Now we learned in Isaiah um, chapter one, verses 10 through 17. And then we looked at Malachi verses one, six through 10. We learned about what God does not like. What does God not want? Okay. Sometimes to know what God wants to, sometimes knowing what God wants of you is very easy. You might not know all of it at the time because you're going to have to wait on the spirit, but there is a lot that you can know pretty immediate. And, 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 and here's how you do that. Isaiah 1, 10 through 17, Malachi 1, 6 through 10, both talk in explicit detail about what God does not want. In complete detail, it outlines what God does not want. Now, you can immediately know quite a bit of what God wants you to do. All the while you're waiting on instruction for God. There's a lot that you can do because there's a lot that you can already know. How is that, Brother Walker? Well, whatever God tells you not to do, the opposite of that is what he wants. Amen. You automatically know some of the things that you need to do by simply looking at what he tells you not to do. Because whatever God tells you not to do, it is the opposite that he wants you to do. So all you got to do is do the opposite of what he tells you not to do. I know that's simple. That is very simple, very basic, but that's what the way, that's the way the word of God is. It's not rocket science. He didn't make it so that it is rocket science. It's so simple that it's, it, it, it's really deceptively simple so that those who are arrogant and haughty, when they look at it, they're like, no, I can't be this, this. That's how you get people coming up with all these ridiculous doctrines and all this other kind. That ain't nothing but man overlaying his complexity over God's simplicity. That's man. And God don't want it, and you're not going to be blessed in it. The word of God is supposed to be so simple that even a child can understand it. When you need a degree and a lexicon and a thesaurus and everything else in the world in order to stand, understand the word of God, you're doing too much. All you're supposed to be, all you're supposed to need is, to, is, is, or is, is humility. Yielding to the spirit of God and, to, to, and you're going to understand some initial things. And then once you are, those initial things are going to be concerning salvation. Once you progress past that, then you will receive the spirit of God. 
being obedient, and he going to reveal all things according to his timing. He's going to make it even more plain. But when you got when you need a professor and a doctor of this, that, and the and and the whole other, you're doing too much. The word of God is not no. That's man. That's man. That is man. They didn't have that in the Bible days. You don't need that now. What are you saying? I'm saying you don't need to put your eggs in that basket and acting as though you can't, you, you won't be able to understand the word unless you go and get some kind of, you know, sit at the feet of some theologians. No, 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 no. That theologian need to go sit at the feet of Jesus himself. We all do. So don't, don't just take the word of God, humble yourself. Ask God to open up your eyes. Pray before you read that word of God. Amen. Amen. You're not going to understand everything off the top of your head. No, you're not. And some things is designed. How shall they hear without a preacher? God have a preacher to give you some of the knowledge. But there's a lot of it that you can you that you're going to be able to get without the aid of the preacher. If you will just get into the word of God. Amen. God took care of everything and he makes it simple. And the preacher that you're listening to should be breaking it down and also making it sim simple. Now, if that man of God going around, making it complicated, you need to stop listening to him. Turn him off. Get away from him. Because you're going to get a version and not the genuine article. You want what God has. Amen. Amen. We need to, we need to hear that. We also talked about what uh, does God want? God wants obedience. And we've looked at that again. And God wants us. Amen. Romans 12 and 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies, what? A living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is what? Your reasonable service. Amen. Amen. What does God want? Turn to Psalms 116, 12 through 14. What shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits toward me? God, what can I do for you? How, am I going, how, am I, how can I pay you back? How do I make good on what you've done for me? Verse 13, I will take the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. Watch this. I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all his people. 13 and 14 is the answer to verse number 12. And you know what that is? Obedience. We're right back at it. We boomerang right back to it. I can't pay you with this and I can't pay you with that. But here's what I can do. I can be obedient. I can take the cup of salvation. Amen. Amen. Some of you who will listen to this, you're not saved. And you need to be. You need to take the cup of salvation. How do I do that? You got to repent of your sins. Got to be sorry for what you've done. You can't make excuses for it and you can't try to hide it. You got to own it up to the fullest. And you got to be sorry about that because you sinned against the almighty God who gave you life and breath and everything else. You got to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. 
Got to have that sin, those, those sins washed off. Got to have that washed away. It's not a physical washing away. Although baptism is a physical thing. The water baptism part, it, that is. That's, not, that's, that's a physical thing. And that's a part that God has a lot that allows you to participate in and requires you to do. You got to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, not sprinkled in some other kind of version. Get in that water all the way down. You got to be done. It got to be done in the name of Jesus Christ. Or in the name of the Lord Jesus. That's the only two ways baptism ever was conducted in the Bible. You got to do it the way he said, do it. Don't come up with anything. Don't innovate, don't remix, don't do any of that. Keep it just the way God has it. And then he's got to fill you with the Holy Ghost, okay? You got to take the cup of salvation. You got to take the cup of salvation. And that's what he says verse four, uh, in, in, in Psalms 116, 12, 14. Now you need to understand, that's before Jesus Christ. So when here, when he's talking about taking the cup of salvation, he's not talking about the, he's not talking about it in the sense of the way we would it would we would do it. David is dealing with that immediate deliverance from those immediate situations, those that the circumstances that he was presently in, the ways out that God would make and was continually making for him. But when we fast forward that to the New Testament, there is an ultimate way out. And that ultimate way out, the cup of salvation is the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And I'll call upon the name of the Lord. That's how you get baptized. Calling on the name of the Lord. Amen. Amen. And he says, and I'll pay my vows. I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do. Obedience. Now, responding with the heart. The response of the heart is critical. So much so that I want you to ask yourself this question. How are you responding now? If assuming that you are responding, how are you responding now? You should look at the, 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 the context or the content rather, of your responding to God. If you say, yes, I'm responding to God, I'm responding. Then I want you to do some soul search and some self uh, examination of how you are responding. The response of the heart and family is critical when it comes to how God interacts with us. Make sure you guys don't miss this, okay? God can use anyone. Let's establish that. God can use anyone, anywhere, and at any time. He's not limited. It is God that we're talking about after all. God can use anyone. <clears throat> But God has preferences. 
he can use anyone, but he prefers to use those whose hearts respond to his summons. God can use anyone, but he prefers to use those whose hearts, amen, respond to his summons. Those that have a heart response. Those that don't just respond in the natural, they respond first in the heart or with the heart. These individuals, in essence, respond twice. They respond first from the heart. And then that heart response results in a natural response. But nevertheless, keep this truth close to you. God can use anyone. But God prefers and often reserves to use only those whose hearts respond to his summons. Amen. Why is this? Because God wants to be dealt with by mankind according to his nature. This is why God prefers to be dealt with, okay? God prefers to use those whose hearts respond to his summon. This is why he does that. He does it because God wants to be dealt with by mankind. He wants us interacting with him according to his nature. Okay. He don't want you coming willy nilly. He don't want me coming any way that I want to. God wants me to come a specific way. God wants you to come a specific way. God wants to be dealt with by mankind according to to his nature. All right, let's prove that out. Number one, God, let's talk about this. God is love. And we know this from 1 John 4 and 8. Amen. 1 John 4 and 8 tells us very plainly, he that loveth not knoweth not God for what? God is love. Okay, so the apostle John tells us right off the bat, God is love. He even, he even makes it even more plain. He says, the person that I love not, it ain't even possible for him to know God. If you, so, because God is love. You cannot be unloving and have God. It's not, it's not, that, that, those two things contradict itself. You can't have God and, 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 and be not loving. No, the apostle's very clear. He that loveth not, you don't even know God. So don't, don't go around telling me you, you saved. I don't want to hear about your salvation. Nobody wants to hear about your salvation because you don't have it. You cannot have salvation walking in unlovingness and being unloved and, 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 and not having love. You can't go around operating in, in, in everything but love. Talking about you're going to make it to heaven. You must have missed the memo, the one where they stamped the rejection on your card. You're not going. And I know that's tough sometimes because people do give you reasons to really be unloving. Why? Because people do unloving things to one another. 
and it gets hard. But the word of God says, overcome evil with good. And it's hard sometimes. And, that, and it's so hard that you got to let God be your strength all the time so that you can rise to the occasion and love that person in spite of, especially when they give you all the reasons not to. I'm just being real this morning. Because there is no, there's no version of this where you make it to heaven being unloving simply because you were justified or you felt justified in not loving some person because of what they've done. You've got to love in spite of. You have to love in spite of. And that sometimes is a monumental task, but amen. Word tells me he giveth more grace. You can do it. Now on your own, you can't, but through him, you can. Don't let the lack of love Be the reason you got a rejection letter when it came to going to heaven. Don't trade your eternity in heaven and in God's presence. To make a pointless point because you feel justified in responding negatively to a person because of how they treated you. Persecution is par for the course for the child of God. You're not going to get away from it. It's going to always be somebody that hates you. It's always going to be somebody that don't like you. It's always going to be somebody that got a problem with you for no reason. It's always going to be somebody that does you wrong when they should have done you right. Don't trade your ticket to heaven in order to make a pointless point that you're going to be mad, busted, disgusted, and hold a grudge. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Overcome evil with good. This is practical teaching, practical preaching. Call it what you want. It's all one and the same, at least right now. Don't trade it. Do not trade eternity in heaven for eternity in hell. You're going to get eternity. Don't, don't worry. You won't be trading eternity. You're going to get that. But the destination switches up depending on how what you do. That's why that obedience is important. So we learn, but we learn nevertheless from John that God is love. We learn that's his nature. And because God is love, he prefers to be interacted with according to his nature. <laughs> love is part of God's nature. Amen. Amen. It's not the only part. Look at the gospel of John. Look at chapter four. Look at 23 and 24. Word of God says this. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father. We'll look at it, watch this, in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a what? Spirit. 
And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Also, the nature of God. God's nature is love. God's nature is truth. But God's nature is also spirit. Amen. God is a spirit, not a man. That's what the word says, not a man. God is a spirit. But for as much as God is spirit, God is truth. And for as much as God is truth, God is love. So that's why I told you it's not the only part. But notice God, you, God wants to be worshiped according to his nature. God is a what? Spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. God wants to be worshiped with, interacted with, but he does not want that to come the way we want to give it. It's got to come the way he wanted. God says, if you're going to deal with me, you got to deal with him on his terms, not on yours. See, you come to God as you are. But when you get there, you got to operate according to how he is. I'm going to say it again. When you come to God, you come as you are. But when you get to him, if you're going to get anything from him, if you want him to deal with you, then you may have come the way that you are. But once you get into his presence, you're going to have to act like you have some spiritual sense, meaning you're going to have to act according to how he is. Glory to God. You have to operate according to what God specifies. God allows you to come as you are, but he never has any intention of just leaving you the same. He has no intention of leaving you the same way that you've come. No, God wants to take off, chisel off, break off all the things that are not like him and help you bring you into conformity to his image. Amen. So that way, all the, that in essence, you take off more of you, the more you get into his presence and you take on more of him. Amen. Amen. God requires love. And this is, thing, this is a good thing we need to know this because God is love. Okay, and God wants to be dealt with mankind according to his nature. And we just saw that in John um, 4, uh, 23 and 24, verse 24 really brought it home. God is a spirit and they that worship him, what? Must worship him in spirit and in truth. Amen. Now, God requires our love. For him, God requires our love. He wants our love, but that love can't just be anything. God requires our love for him to be with the whole heart. God don't want your love if it's not with the whole heart. Look at Deuteronomy chapter six. Look at verses four through five. Amen. Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thine soul and with all thy might. God wants your love, but he wants that love with the whole heart. 
Remember, we're talking about responding with the heart. There are some things that God wants that there has to be a heart response involved if God's going to accept it. And that's what we're establishing here, okay? God requires our love for him to be with our whole heart. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 5. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart. So love is required to be done or to be given to him with the whole heart. What else is? God requires our trust in him to be done with the whole heart. Look at Proverbs chapter three, verse five, trust in the Lord with what? All thine heart. That's the whole thing. That's everything, nothing else. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and what? Lean not to thine own understanding. Your love gotta be with the whole heart. Your trust got to be with the whole heart. You know what else got to be done with the whole heart? Keeping his commandments <laughs> got to be done with the whole heart. Now that just, that, that just knocks a lot of us out of the, out of the park. Just, just right there. Deuteronomy 26, look at verse 16. This day, the Lord thy God hath commanded thee to do these statutes and judgments Thou shalt therefore keep and do them with what? All thine heart and with all thy soul. Told you. We said it. Love. If you're going to give love to God and, you, and he accept it, it's going to have to be done with the whole heart. It's going to have to come from the heart. If you're going to trust God, that faith, that's what we're talking about. Believing in him, that's what we're talking about. If you're going to give that to him, it's got to be done with the whole heart. It's got to come from the heart. And if you're going to keep his word, if you're going to keep his commandments. If you're going to honor God in keeping his commandments. That too is going to have to be done with the whole heart. Amen. And these are some things that require the whole heart in dealing with God. And really, in truth, if you look at the verse, if you look at the third one, which is keeping his commandments, which must be done with the heart, that really is everything. Really, in essence, God is saying, really, just off of that alone, there really is nothing that you can do for God. Very few things that can that 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 you can do devoid of the whole heart and he'd be pleased with okay it, 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 it's this it, it, all your interaction got to be with your whole heart god doesn't want phony he doesn't want fake and he doesn't want you and i going through the motion he wants you and i to be sincere so he requires us to operate as he is remember they that worship the lord must worship him in what? Spirit and in truth. God wants to be dealt with by mankind according to his nature. And somebody listening to this or who will listen to this, whenever you listen to this, you got to stop 
trying to give God what you want him to have. And you have got to humble yourself and submit yourself before the Lord. And you got to start doing what he told you to do. The deliverance you're looking for, the way out that you're looking for, the change that you're looking for. Maybe it's on your job. Maybe it's in the family. Maybe it's this, maybe it's that. It is not going to happen if, you, listen, all the while you're supposed to be called by his name, meaning that you're supposed to be a child of God and you are operating in a very unchild of God-like fashion. God, you, listen, it's not going to work. It is not going to work. It's not going to work. You're going to have to do what he said do. And you're going to have to stop doing it the way you want to do it. And you're going to have to start doing it the way that Bible says do it. Do it the way the word says do it. Now, these things, because God wants to be dealt with in accordance with his nature. So we've established that. Now, because he wants this, it means that we will actually need his help in order to do it. Why? Because with the things that God wants us to do, okay, it literally requires something we don't initially have and some uh, uh, which happens to also be something that we cannot get on our own god wants us to deal with him with the whole heart but remember you were born in sin your nature is corrupt so to truly get be dealt with <laughs> with the whole heart the way god wants we're going to need his help in order to do that because it requires something that we don't initially have and we cannot get on our own. Do you, did you figure out what it is? Did you guess what it is? It requires a new heart. A new heart. In order for us to really truly love God with all our heart and to operate and to trust and to keep his commands with the whole heart, with everything, it requires a new heart in order to do this the way he wants it to be done. And amen, that this truth is not lost. This wasn't something that was lost on God. God knew this. This is not a fact or a reality that somehow escaped God's attention. No, he was very much aware of this. So God did something. God predetermined to help us in this area. How did he do it? Look at Ezekiel eleven nineteen. And I will give them one heart. And I will put a new spirit within you. And I will take the stony heart out of their flesh and will give them a heart of flesh. That means a tender heart. Stony heart means a disobedient heart. Okay. Look at Ezekiel 36 and 26. A new heart also will I give you and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh. You need a new heart. You need a new heart. God wanna be dealt with according to his nature. And God is love. So you gonna have to deal with him in love in spirit, in truth. 
You're going to have to deal with God according to who he is. And there are things that God requires of us that he just don't want without the heart being engaged, meaning that it doesn't come from the heart. He don't want that. It's got to come from the heart. Must come from the heart. And it can't just be a portion of your heart. It got to be your whole heart, meaning that it must be something that you really, truly, absolutely want to do. Deep down on the deepest inside, that's what he's talking about. But the problem is, is that you got a sinful nature. I have a fallen nature and I cannot do that on my own. I need his help. And so in order to help us, God says, I'm going to give you a new heart. Glory to God. I love God. I love God. You need a new heart. I need a new heart. If I'm going to deal with him, if you're going to deal with him. If you're going to give him what he wants, it's got to be done with the whole heart. And to help you with that, God has decided or predetermined to give you, to give me a new heart. And next week, we'll pick up and we'll talk about how he actually gives us this new heart, how he goes about doing this. This is a fascinating, wonderful, enriching study. I pray that you will listen to this again, that you'll study it, and that you will share it with those uh, around you in your circle or those that you have access to. God bless you. Have a wonderful Sunday and look forward to next week when we get into get further into how God gives us this new heart because it's required in order for us to operate in a matter where we deal with God with a whole heart. God bless you until next week. I'm going to stop the recording here. Wow.